am your father. This is, this is a Brandon Colby Jacobs from Facebook exclusive. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. Touche, my nigga. Touche. Yo, what it do, what it is, man. It's your boy, Brandon Kobe Jacobs, and you are listening to the Established 1984 podcast, man. We are on episode 31. And what's so crazy, man, is I just got through before we started a podcast telling this young lady that, you know, I'm surprised that we we never crossed paths when I was in the industry uh, in Jacksonville. But I'm looking forward to getting an opportunity to sit down and chat with her a little bit, man. Uh, she is probably one of the biggest movers and shakers in our city right now. She's probably one of those folks that I think everybody's going to recognize as, I guess, you probably say one of the top three artists to come out of Duval County. I mean, between her, Trap, and what Belize is doing, I think uh, nobody has uh, broken through the ceiling since probably the mid-90s in the way that, that these three have. So I'm really excited to have Tokyo Jets on the line. Tokyo, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I can't complain. I can't complain at all, man. Like I said, it's it's so crazy because, I mean, my dad is from Blodgix. My I grew up on Six and Pearl. I'm just I'm surprised we never... We never chatted at any point or another, you know. I think maybe I'm, I'm convinced it was hiding from me. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe what the situation was was when you were coming in, I was coming out. So we'll we'll get a chance to talk about a little bit of that now, as we do for all of our Jacksonville natives who we interview on the podcast. Uh, why don't you tell everybody what side of town you're from? I'm from out east. Oh, you're from out east. Out east. Where about out east? Where does it look like I'm from? <laughs> you could be from anywhere. You could be from you could be from the south side for y'all for all anybody knows. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm from out east though. So. Okay, what's where about in out east? Um, I originally grew up like on eleventh street. Okay. But um like from the time I was like maybe super small to maybe like the second grade we mm-hmm. lived on 63rd then we moved to 11th street okay okay so you bounced all over out east okay all right yeah <laughs> <laughs> now being a jacksonville native is something that i think shaped us all whether you're from the 103rd arlington jacks beach or the north side or even out east how did being from out east really shape you as a person um i think Growing up there, period, made me into the person that I am. Like, if I if I didn't go through the things that I went through there, I don't think I would be in the position that I'm in. And I wouldn't want to change anything that happened in my life either because I feel like if I change the smallest thing, mm-hmm. then I would be on a completely different path in life. It's so crazy that you say that because, I mean, it's it truly is that way for a lot of us. I, I've said the same thing about my career in the industry, too coming up doing New Blood Entertainment and all of the things that I did in the, the mid and late 2000s. I mean, I wouldn't change being an alcoholic and, and, and all the kind of crazy shit that I did coming up because, you know, it would have it would have totally changed the way that, that we were able to be successful during that period of time. Now, growing, yeah, definitely. Now, growing up, were you a creative person? Uh, also, was, was music around you coming uh, coming up? And if so, what were you listening to? Music was always around me. I um, I had a situation where I was younger, where I like kind of almost got kidnapped. <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait! You you so, can't you gotta have to explain that. You can't just I, zoom right past gotta, this like, shit. Skip over it. <laughs> <laughs> nah. <laughs> but we stayed in Brentwood for a while when mm-hmm. I was yeah. younger, yeah. and I was like at the park, 
and a guy came up to me and he's like, hey, your mom told me to come get you from the park, but it's somebody I've never seen before. And he's like, her name is, um, um, he's like stuttering. I'm like, yeah, her name is Miss Gwen. He's like, yeah, Miss Gwen told me to come get you. I'm not thinking. Anyway. <laughs> But um, he's like, my, your mom told me to come get you. So I'm like, well, my mom told me not to leave the park. So I'm not going to go anywhere. So he was like, you want some candy? So I'm like, yeah, I want some candy. Now I can leave. You brought candy into the <laughs> equation. <laughs> but so we're like walking to leave. And then I think about it. I'm like, wait, I got to tell my mom I'm leaving. She told me not to leave the park. Mm-hmm. So we walk. Somehow, by the grace of God, he starts to walk towards my house. And I run in the house and, like, tell my mom that I'm going with her friend to get ice cream. And she's like, my friend? She comes outside. The guy is gone, like, vanishes. And ever since then, I had to, like, stay in the house. I was I stayed in the house for, like, maybe two years. <laughs> and, <laughs> and my mom used to, like, you know the typical, like, black mom. She, like, wakes up and, like, opens all the windows and doors and listens to music. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would listen to, like, a lot of... Mary J. Blige and all like all the old like nineties R and B music and Tupac and stuff like that. So that's what I grew up on and my dad also did music also. Oh did so it? I think it was like meant for me to yeah, I think it was like meant for me to do what I do. Okay, okay. Well what was your dad a, a singer or was he a rapper or what, what was he doing musically? He was a rapper but he he plays a lot of instruments. He's like super talented. He plays the keyboard, he plays the guitar and I think I think he plays the sax. I'm not sure, but he plays a lot of inter- instruments. Okay, okay. Now I did do some research, and I found out initially that you had dropped out of high school, but you eventually went back and got your diploma. Walk me through what I was did. going on in your life that made you feel like saying "fuck school," and also what made you decide to go back. I just felt like, and I'm sure a lot of people my age feel like that at the time. I just felt like. I, I didn't need school. I felt like I I needed to make money at the time. Like everything, everything just wasn't going the way that it was supposed to go for me. So I felt like that was the best thing to do at the time. Mm-hmm. And I, so I dropped out of school and I went and got a job and I was a waitress for a while. And I made out of all the jobs that I've ever had, I had I've had like maybe five or six jobs right. from that time. But out of all the jobs I've ever had, I made the most money waitressing. And they never care about me having a you know high school diploma but I realized like this isn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. so um I started working at a bank and they did like a super super extensive background check and found out that I didn't have a high school diploma Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) so they, they they definitely let me go but from there I started working at Apple and I just have like a knack for like technology so um i exceeded there of course and i got promoted to like a supervisor really fast but when i was there i realized school doesn't have to be for everyone because i i no one else there knew that i had dropped out of school but i knew that i dropped out of school those people that hired me thought I only had a high school diploma but I was there managing like I was a tier two manager so I was like managing managers so at this point I'm managing people that have like degrees so I kind of felt like it it wasn't necessary right but um so I didn't I didn't actually need it when I decided to go back to school I did it because I wanted I wanted my sister to go back and I didn't want her to feel like she didn't have to do that right even though that's how I felt at the time. But I did it because I felt like I just I, I just needed to do it. 
Okay, you went back and we went back and did the FSCJ deal, or yeah, I did that. Okay, yeah, my sister did the same thing. She dropped out of Revolt and did, did the exact same thing. So <laughs> I totally have have seen that that situation come to pass. So now, where does the name Tokyo Jets come from? Because it's obviously an odd name to come up with out of Dubai. You know? <laughs> It's definitely um, original. Yes, it is. <laughs> but my my best friend came up with it back when I was, I think, in middle school. Everybody was, you know, coming up with these nicknames and stuff. Mm-hmm. And my eyes are, like, really chinky. I don't know if you've ever seen, like, pictures of me. I know we haven't crossed each other's paths in real life, but um, my eyes are, like, really low. So people started to call me China. And at the time, I knew, like, seven girls with the name. So I'm like, yeah, don't call me that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, my best friend was like, well, let's just say Tokyo. We ran with Tokyo, and the Jets part came from Currency. He had a project out at the time called Just Enjoy the Shit. Mm-hmm. We changed the S to a Z. Okay. Tokyo Jets. Well, there it is, then. Now, I can <laughs> say that I've been familiar with you uh, since like 2010, right as I'm getting out of the industry, I come from a company called New Blood Entertainment. I um I actually used to be on the management team for Tay Dism from Nappy Boy. So that and I also was the handled all the street team and promotional work for Plush. So I was coming out of the industry. I think when you just started bubbling and starting to come in. Um, now, right. I'm sitting in my living room in 2010 in my townhouse on the south side when my girlfriend at the time starts playing the Got Fire remix and then all of a sudden there's a voice on it that I've never heard before. She asked me <laughs> what I thought and I immediately said that with your delivery, your tone, and that slick talk that you come with, you you reminded me of a young Mia X. That's a very big compliment coming from me. That's dope. <laughs> now, here's a layered question. First of all, who were some of the rappers you were listening to coming up uh, that you would say helped develop your sound? And two, how did the Got Fire remix, uh, that verse come about? Was it just random or something that, that you had actually like put together? Okay, so the first question, what rappers did I listen to? Um, of course, I'm from Florida, so I think everybody in Florida probably listens to Trick Daddy. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to a lot of pop tip, of course. Mm-hmm. Rick Ross and I the crazy thing is like a lot of people in Florida are like huge Boosie fans but I didn't I didn't hear my first little Boosie song until I was probably like an adult my mom wouldn't let me listen to stuff like that (laughs) (laughs) and I couldn't like I was I was like really sheltered so I would listen to the stuff that my older brothers would listen to so they would listen to like Phil Mob and Mm -hmm like eight ball and MJG. So like whatever stuff that they were listening to or they were huge fans of the Harmony fans too. So whatever stuff they were listening to, I would listen to. Um, but I listened to Boosie when I got a little bit older and now I listen to stuff like Kevin Gates and Starlito and Don Tripp. Okay. And okay. still Rick Ross because that's my favorite rapper. Oh, okay. Um, the second question, how did the song come about? Uh, I think the original person that did it was, I think his name is I cannot think of his name. I, um, I but don't I know, know who the original in, was. <laughs> yeah, I know he was in prison at the time, though. But he actually, like, called TJ for me to talk to him. And, like, he asked me to do the song. I've never, like, thought about doing it at all. Mm-hmm. But that was, like, dope for me for somebody to, you know, hear about me and think so highly of me that they wanted to call me personally to ask me to do the song. So I did it from there and 
that's where most of my popularity in Jacksonville actually came from. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely did because it was it was something that resonated. I, I can totally speak for it. Like, would you gra- well, when would you have graduated from high school if you had gone through and finished? I would have graduated in 2013. Okay, you would have finished in 13. I was in the club mm-hmm. in 10, and I can tell you that that, <laughs> that, that verse got got ran off in rain a couple of times. So. It, it definitely. I know the sad part is I was in there, like with TJ. I was in every Saturday. <laughs> this is still so That's crazy so that we never. We we gonna talk offline. We gonna have to. We gonna have to figure some shit out. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> uh, now I gotta ask you this: What was uh? What is it? Anya Anya uh, Entertainment, and I want you to talk a little about about the Bosses Meet Bosses mixtape and how that project came together. Um, E.A.N.T. is the my manager's basically his his name on Facebook at the time when we started. Mm-hmm. It's it's a weird like really bad joke, but his name on Facebook was In Your Ribs. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> all right, <laughs> people don't know that now. People don't know that now, but that's where it started. Um. But he's the person who actually convinced me to start rapping. Like, I used to write these poems on Facebook. And one day he was like, I think you should try to put it on a beat. And that's what we did. And we just kept that name for some odd reason. And you just kind of reminded me where it came from. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. So how did the project, the the Bosses Meet Bosses project, end up coming together? That actually started um, with, of course, me him asking me to record that first song. And in the process, I recorded a cover to, it was a YC song back then. Mm-hmm. I think it was like Racks on Racks. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, no, yeah, it was Racks on Racks. And I changed it, but I made, the song was called My City. And mm-hmm. that song like went ham. And that's how I actually first met Big Ranking. Mm-hmm. So... I was working with TJ at the time, and they they was wanted me to put a project together. But at the, back then, I wasn't actually enjoying doing music, so it was kind of everything that I did was you know people saying, "Hey, you should do this, or you should do that." I right. just started enjoying music, so that whole project was like kind of orchestrated from TJ and my manager Josh. Like they they hand in hand did everything besides the writing, of course. Now, why why didn't you enjoy doing music at that point from? Was it just because it was forced, or was it something else going on? I just, I just didn't have a passion for it, and I felt like it, it wasn't making me enough money to take care of me. So I felt like it wasn't something that I needed to focus on. I felt like I needed to focus on what was bringing money into my home, which was my job. So I was just doing it because I could. And then when I booked shows, I would book shows, but it wasn't something that I had a passion for at all. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Now, that came out in 2011, and obviously, because you brought it up, too, um, people start seeing you running the circles with TJ the DJ and the Cool Runners crew. Can you talk about your relationship with TJ and the Cool Runners crew and the impact that they've had on your career? Yeah, absolutely. I met TJ through Josh. He came to the studio one day, and it was, like, weird for me to see someone who believed in me more than I believed in myself. Like I was saying, I didn't have a passion for music. I just I just kind of felt like I could do it because everybody said I could. But I never actually thought it was something that I was destined to do, like, from God. But 
TJ has always been there. TJ has always like thought the utmost like highest of me that anybody could possibly think of me. Like TJ believed in me more than some people in my family did. Mm-hmm. So, and he's been that way since day one. Um, and at the time, of course, you know this is when rain and plush and everything was going on. So right. he was under big ranking. Right. So he said one day big ranking asked him about me and. I met Ron and Don before I met Big Rankin. Okay. He was promoting for them at the time. Yeah, he was promoting for them at the time. And he had a little bit more experience with managing artists than my manager, Josh, did. Mm -hmm. So he was kind of coaching Josh at the same time. And he's like, hey, I think you should. I should introduce you to Big Rankin. He's been asking about you. So he introduced us. And it's like been a love relationship ever since. Like if I call him now, he treats me like I'm a part of his family. Like, everybody that I've met from the beginning of me doing music has, like, I, I have the utmost respect for them because they've done everything that they can do to help me get to where I am today. Right. Yeah, I, I can honestly say, I, as as long as I've known TJ, I've known TJ probably since 2005, 2006, whenever I got back from Tallahassee and started doing stuff in Jacksonville. TJ's always been an amazing person, a uh, hard worker. I know he's had some health issues over the past couple of years and, you know, wish the best for him yeah. on that front, man. But but always been a good guy. Never never had a bad thing to say about him. Now, me and Billy, we, we've bumped heads over the years, so I'll put it like that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I was, he's always, but he's definitely somebody that I've always looked up to, and I've said that on every podcast. Now, I know there's a period of time in between 2011 and 2016 that you took a break from music so why don't you tell me a little bit about what happened and what you were doing during your hiatus and what made you decide to come back to the industry everybody always asks this question what were you doing <laughs> i mean that, that, that's I was, a, for you got to think about it from everything that you were doing from the late 2000s moving into 2010 that everybody starts looking at you going oh, hey what's what's this young lady doing she might she might be going somewhere right. and then you just take a break it's like well, what the hell happened? <laughs> right. Right. It was it like I was saying. It was just something that I I didn't have a, a passion for, and I feel like anything that you don't have a passion for, the first problem that you have, mm-hmm. you're going to give it up if you have no reason to continue doing it. Right. So th- throughout that whole time, I I went and I got a regular job. I was like living a regular life. I felt like that's what was meant for me. And when I dropped the DM Freestyle last year, I think it was like in July, when I dropped that video, that was a joke. Like, I wasn't coming back to music. That was a joke. It was a real situation. Like, somebody came in my DM talking about their boyfriend, and I just made a, a joke to make her mad, and it kind of blew up. <laughs> so that made me feel like it was... <laughs> that made me feel like it was, like, meant to be because of the way that it happened. Like, I wasn't trying... I wasn't trying to do that at all. It was just... It was genuine. And it it just blew up like it hit a million views in a day, right. which is freaking amazing. But I wasn't that wasn't my comeback to music at all. That was just me rapping the video, and it, it just turned into what it turned into. And when I spoke to Ti the first time um, through Instagram, and he called me, he was like, "I want to fly you out to Atlanta." But by this time, I was still working my job. I had took so many days off from work mm-hmm. that. If I left to go to Atlanta to meet with him, I would have had to quit my job. So right. I prayed about it, and then I just made that decision. I took that leap of faith, and I'm here now. I just felt like everything that happened was meant to happen. And like everybody, everybody says, you know, 
I was on back back in 2010, and I could have did so many different things, but I don't feel like it to happen that way. That's fair. I, I can re- I can respect that. It's just it it is very odd when when people take large breaks and then they come back. It's like well, well what in the world? Well, to me, it, to me, it wasn't a break. To me, I was done. Ah, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I was completely finished. Now you brought up the point that 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 down in the DM freestyle it hit over a million views. I didn't know it was in a day. I just knew that it was over a million now. now. Yeah, it hit a million in a day. <laughs> <laughs> now, what impact has that freestyle had on your career, and and how has it resonated? And did you obviously? I, I'm assuming you didn't think that it was going to resonate in that way, but but what impact Definitely has it had? I believe that made my career. Like people don't understand the the impact social media can have on something that you you want to do like that video made me have fans all across the world when we went on our hustle gang tour it was people like in the crowd rapping that song like people in places i've never been before like spokane washington and like places i've never even heard of so That just showed me that the, the internet has like a, a really, really dope power that I didn't know about. <laughs> but from that point, like after that video went viral, I gained a ton of attention on the internet and I booked a ton of shows and a ton of features and I made a lot of money. So <laughs> I'm definitely thankful. Definitely, definitely. Now, I remember, and this is, I, a matter of fact, I sent you a. Uh, I sent you the the design for the this podcast that I did. It was one of my first podcasts that I did where I did my 10 favorite Duval mixtapes. And Fly Shit Only was one yeah. of the mixtapes. Now, I, when I sent that to you, um, I, it was, first of all, it was difficult to get the damn mixtape because you pulled it off of iTunes or somebody pulled it off of iTunes. And now it's only on like some off-brand mixtape site that I had to pull it from. So talk to me a little bit about the Fly Shit Only mixtape. You know, what what caused that to come about and why it's mm-hmm. so hard to get now? Um, Flash it only came about because, I mean, came about from, you know, the popularity I got from down in the DM. Mm-hmm. And it was it's still at that point, I wasn't having fun doing music. So everyone, because I all of this stuff was going on around mm-hmm. the DM freestyle, everyone around me, you know, said that I should go ahead and drop a mixtape. Um, so we went ahead and did it, but I just, it, like I was saying, it's something that I'm, I'm, I wasn't enjoying music then. So it's a, a mixtape that I put out, but I felt like it wasn't my best work. So it, I, I actually decided to pull it off of those, those websites. It's still up on a few websites. Like I originally dropped it on Spin Realer, so it's still there. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I wouldn't want to take those numbers down. Like the numbers on the mixtape are amazing. People love the mixtape, but I, I'm like my biggest critic. Right. So I just felt like I just felt like if I'm going to put something out, then it should be something that I've done to the best of my ability. And I don't want to present something to the masses if I feel like it's not that. Right. So, yeah, I decided to pull it back. But I mean, people like it. So I guess it is what it is. But, yeah, I just wasn't enjoying music at the time. And I I don't know. I just I, I just didn't feel it like that. <laughs> Okay, but for the record, fuck it is dope. Check is dope, and the panda is dope. So, 
thank you. If you think that is that is not good, trust me. I like I said, I worked for Universal. I managed. I was on the management team for Tadism. I've traveled all over the place and stuff like that. Done a lot of the stuff that I know you're doing on a much bigger level now. And I can assure you that that was a quality mixtape relative to what comes out of Duval and relative to what I think is in the marketplace right now. So it's it's definitely something you should be proud of. It's, well, it's, it's like, it's all just a vibe to me. Mm-hmm. And then after I record music, I don't listen to it too many times. Mm-hmm. So because because of the feeling that I had from the time that I recorded it, it kind of impacted everything that I feel at this point. Right. So I, I definitely appreciate you know everything that you're saying it's just everything is a vibe so i would rather give you guys something that feels good to me so you can get that same feeling fair enough fair enough now i've had i'll put it like this ti and i have had interactions obviously i've met him the first time i met him i was a kid i was probably like 15 years old this is like 2000 and uh he came up on six and pearl you know dealing with Billy and then uh, giving out mixtapes and stuff like that. This is, I think, mm-hmm. maybe a couple of months before I'm Serious comes out. So I've seen him in those situations. I also saw him in 04 when some of his camp got into an altercation with uh, some folks from Fat Joe's camp at uh, FAMU's homecoming. That was a whole other deal. So I, I've, I've only interacted with him in those capacities. What is what is T.I. like to, to deal with as a, as a business professional and how did this whole deal come into play? Was it totally off of the freestyle or was there some other stuff that he had seen that made him interested in you? Um, so the first question, how is it like being around him? He's like a really, really humble person, but he's at the same time going to tell you everything like blood raw, mm-hmm. like somebody else might sugarcoat it, but he'll tell you like straight up, you shouldn't do this or you should do that. Or even when it's like when we're recording, he he critiques you. Like I said, I'm my biggest critic, but he's like a super fucking hard critic also. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like he's he's like a big brother at the same time. He makes sure that everybody around him is good and everybody's taken care of. Um the me coming into this situation first we me and him first spoke from solely my freestyles um he commented on a few of my my videos and basically was saying i was dope so i felt like that wasn't enough Mm -hmm. (laughs) i decided to dm him on instagram and i asked him i was just asking for um like mentoring at the time like i didn't think the situation would turn into this i was just asking for mentoring and like advice so he asked me to send him my mixtape i sent him the flash it only tape that you was just referring to Mm -hmm. and i didn't hear anything back for about a week and then he wrote me and asked for my number. So I sent him my number and I got a call from like a block number like three times and I thought somebody was playing on my phone. Mm-hmm. So I declined the call a couple of times. Then I spoke to him and he's like, hey, this is Chip. I hug up in his face because I thought it was still a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and he FaceTimed me and he's like, hey, this is my last time calling you. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> But we chopped it up from there. And, like, it's just, like I was saying with the music, everything is a vibe for me. And he's just somebody that I clicked with from clicked with from the beginning. I met with a couple other people, of course, before I got with Tip. And he's just one of the only people that I really just felt like was genuine about everything. So it's just been dope ever since. Yeah, it's, it seems like just just from other interviews that I've, that I've seen you do that, that he really is more concerned about 
helping you develop as an artist as opposed to just being like, okay, let's just put some shit out there and see what happens. Like, Right, absolutely. Yeah. Now, Tokyo, since this was something that was out on the internet and was a person you replied to, I have to ask you about that Duval artist. Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Because I, I also DM'd you when that shit popped off and I was like, why are you even responding to her? Because you're way beyond her. It's okay, so let me explain this. What I realized about Jacksonville and the whole and it might be other cities, but I can only speak on the city that I'm from. Right. I realized that if you're successful but you're not the person that someone else feels should be in that position or someone else feels deserve that, right. they automatically attack you. Mm-hmm. Like I've never felt like I've needed to do that to anyone. I've never felt like I needed to discredit anything anyone has ever done in Jacksonville, period. I always felt like if you focus on someone else, then you're giving them your energy. So why would I even do that? Right. And then I feel like with females, period, they feel like there can only be one. Like there can only be even, and that's even with mainstream music. Like females feel like it can only be one top artist. And if I write a verse and I say, these bitches not fucking with me, every female artist feels attacked. But if a nigga goes and does that same thing and say, fuck all these rap niggas, nobody gets offended. Well, I don't know, because so I, I remember when T.I. when T.I. called himself the king of the South. So people took took offense to that. But I, I feel where you're coming from. But no, I don't feel like there's ever been a time where in the rap industry, people felt like there could only be one rap, like one rap nigga. Like there's yeah, never been that a time that with. it's been like that. Yeah, that I So I just feel with. like with females, I feel like with females, everybody's so sensitive and everybody feels attacked when nobody's fucking talking to you. Right. The one thing and I, I just I just feel like people in Jacksonville in general don't like to like there's there's nothing you can take away from me because everything that I've I've earned everything that I have I've earned that I've worked for that so if you put that same work ethic towards yourself instead of to me then you may be in the same position but people have to realize that everybody's not destined to be a star like. Favor is fair. Whatever's for you is for you. Whatever plan God has for you is for you. I have nothing to do with what's going on in your situation. We're two different people with two different lives. Right, and I could totally, I could totally agree with all of that. I just, I, like I said, when I when I DM'd you, and I don't know if you ever saw it, but I was like, yo, like, nah. there's, no even, there's no point in you even responding to this person because you're in a totally different position and you know it wasn't something that you really needed to respond to, which is why when I saw later that YouTube video, I was like. Oh, for what? For who? For why? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I'm glad you're in a good enough space that, that that's not even something you're worried about anymore. Now, you've tr- transcended to another level and are regarded as one of the key artists to come out of Duval in a long time. How does it feel to be representing the city on such a large platform as you're now ripping and running across the country? Um, it's definitely an amazing feeling. I Like I said from the beginning, I didn't expect anything to get to this level at all. It just kind of started as a joke, and then it turned into what it is, which is what made me feel like everything was meant to be. But I'm, I'm definitely appreciative for everything. Okay. Any thoughts on some of your fellow artists like Young Trap and Belize who are starting to break through that glass ceiling our city has been known for? 
I love trap and Belize. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I definitely have like a different love for trap though because kind of trap came in a little bit before me, but since the beginning of me doing this, trap has had like that same love for me that TJ and Big and Rankin have had for me, trap and Ricky. But um, yeah, I love both of them to death. And like anytime they call me and need me to pull up to the studio, I'm with it. Like it's it's never no pressure on nothing. It's just when you see people that start from the bottom and you see where they are now, that shit is just dope as fuck. Definitely, definitely. I I regard trap as trap is a hit maker. It's just it's amazing what his pen has been able to do yeah, over definitely. the last seven years. I mean it it's just unbelievable. I mean the first single was a hit. Like, you know, it's just it's unbelievable. I have the utmost respect for him and Belize is just he's a rapper's rapper. Like if you if you really love hip hop, you'll love Belize. If you don't really love hip hop, you're not gonna feel Belize like that, you know. So. Definitely. Now I'm gonna bounce a couple of names off you or a couple of companies off of you, and I want you to tell me the first thing that comes to mind, okay? Okay. All right, Young Cash. Oh God, T Pain. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> T Pain, okay, okay, fair enough. Crown Capital, Point Blank Entertainment, Ivory Ore, which is all kind of the same deal. Teddy P. <laughs> <laughs> Bigger ranking. Cool running. Okay. T.I. Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you have it, man. There you have it, Tokyo. I wanna, I wanna thank you for getting on the on the podcast today, man. I mean, we we were able to breeze through a little bit quicker than I usually do, but I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully getting the opportunity to see what else you have going on in the future and getting a chance to talk to you in the future. Um, before I let you go, why don't you tell people about a little bit of what you have coming up, whether that's from mixtape, album, LP standpoint, um, you know, uh, what you're doing as far as touring is concerned, and how they can get in contact with you. No problem. Um, we just actually released the official video for my single, which is Sunshine Baby, and you can actually find that anywhere where you can stream videos. The audio is also released as well. You can find that anywhere you can purchase music. I have another video coming out on the 18th also, which is the video for my second viral video I had, which is the Ten Toes Down Challenge, but we turned it into a real song and we're releasing that soon. I have a project coming out August the 2nd which is titled Viral because of my start. We also have the Hustle Gang project coming and I have my own tour coming as well where we're going to tour like all the cities with HBCU so make sure you keep an eye open for that and if you're trying to get in contact with me everything is Tokyo Jets T-O-K-Y-O-J-E-T-Z make sure you put a Z at the end not S. Fair enough, fair enough. And those of you trying to get in contact with me, you can hit me up on Instagram at EST1984Podcast. You can also hit up the Gmail, EST1984Podcast at gmail.com. You've been listening to Tokyo Jets, and I am Brandon Kobe Jacobson. This is the Established 1984 Podcast. Take care.